Are you someone who is currently trying to conceive baby number two after walking through years of trying to conceive for baby number one? And you're sitting there wondering if it's going to be the exact same story and all these emotions and almost like this PTSD is coming to the surface as you start having conversations or even actively trying for baby number two. If that is you, then this is the episode for you. We are going to look to God's word from some biblical wisdom and encouragement as we navigate and discuss the trauma that usually happens from trying to conceive and going through infertility for a number of years before baby number one and how that plays such an pivotal role in our mindset and our heart position going into baby number two. We are also going to dive into what we can do about it because there is something that we can do going into this next step of the journey. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Man, baby number two. Okay, so I feel like this is just a common conversation that I've had with women who either walked through waiting with me and then they also got pregnant around the same time as I did when I got pregnant with Highland. And now we're having discussions around baby number two. Some are actively trying for baby number two. And it is just one of those things where the step of trying to conceive again opens up the floodgates to all of these emotions that you had prior to baby number one. And even though you're walking in living in the active miracle and gift that is your baby, it's like you truly feel like your family is not finished. And so that feeling obviously leads to the next step of, okay, that means we have to conceive and have another baby. And if that's where you're at and you have been through any kinds of infertility or waiting season, you know that it is not easy to then open up the door to baby number two. I know for me, when Josh and I started having some conversations around her first birthday, I was just overwhelmed with the paralysis and the emotions. It was honestly just like a floodgate just boom, opened. And I just was like, wait a second. I thought we dealt with some of these emotions. Why am I still feeling this way? And I felt so frustrated because it was almost like someone went up to the attic of my heart, brought down this box, and it was like Pandora's box just opened and exploded everywhere with all of these emotions that came from that season of our life. Just fear and panic and worry and anxiety and bitterness and frustration. And I I just felt like I had already dealt with that. I had already put that away. I put it in his box, put it away, and I wasn't looking at it anymore. It wasn't even, it was like out of sight, out of mind. But here we are, here we are. And I cannot say that we're personally actively trying for baby number two, but we definitely are taking steps forward to be in a position to start trying for baby number two. And it doesn't even matter that we're actively or not actively trying. The point of the matter is we do want baby number two which leads to having to actively try to conceive again. And even though 
technically we're in the camp of parents now. We still have this weird identity crisis of feeling like we're almost like imposter syndrome within the conceiving world because we look back and we conceived via IVF. We only got one embryo from our IVF session. So we don't have more embryos stored away or anything like that. That's not part of our journey. Highland is our one and only. And so for us, it's like kind of starting fully back at ground zero again. I still have these unresolved feelings around conceiving between me and the Lord. And even though there's been so much healing, there's been so much growth, and there's been so much rewiring of my heart and my mind and my understanding of God's identity, my understanding of my identity, there is still just this heavy baggage that I feel like I have to face and work through. I don't want to, but it's just looming over my head, especially as we kind of look down the barrel of starting to conceive again and opening up my heart to potential disappointment that can come with trying to actively conceive. And I feel like if I just say that we're not really trying, but we technically aren't doing anything to stop it in my head, I don't get as disappointed because if I get my period the next month, because I'm telling myself I'm not actively trying, so it doesn't count. (laughs) I want to talk about that today because there are some blood work and hormone stuff that I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks and just kind of getting into a position of being ready and prepared to actively start trying again. And I just honestly feel like I'm sinking already and we haven't even started. (laughs) So for anyone who is in that boat and you're just like, gosh, I am afraid to even say that I'm trying to conceive again. I'm afraid to even go down and open that door again because you just have very raw wounds. Those wounds don't heal overnight and those wounds don't heal once you get your baby and those wounds are still there and they're very raw because you know if you don't want just one child, the door is still slightly ajar. So I was reading this brand new book by Craig Groeschel called The Power to Change. First of all, highly recommend it. Incredible book, incredible leader. My husband and I both very much love his content and love his leadership and truly look to him kind of students of what he, his leadership style and how he goes about ministry because both of us work in ministry. So in this book, he has a statement that says, you do what you do because of what you think of you. And I want to just say that I want to rewrite that statement in regards to kind of our infertility trying to conceive world. I want to say that you hope what you hope because of what you think of God. And I want that to be kind of the mission statement for our conversation today, because that is just so powerful when it comes down to our wounds that are open or even just going to that door and saying, okay, we're going to actively try again and we're going to open our hearts and our minds up to trying to conceive again. And this journey, all that comes with it, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, you are going to hope your level of hope, high or low, is based off of what you think of God. So I want to give you guys kind of four major points on handling trauma and that paralysis and the emotional baggage that comes from trying to conceive for baby number two after you've already been through a very difficult season of trying to conceive for baby number one. So the first point is that you have to give beneficial meaning to the trauma and pray through releasing the identity that you are your diagnosis. I just feel like trauma is used a lot these days, but I really do believe when I look back at that whole season of waiting, the seven years of ups and downs, there is so much trauma because we experienced something so negative and so difficult. 
So for us, there is trauma. To change that, we have to give beneficial meaning to it. And then we have to actually go to the Lord and ask for him to release that hold that we have on our identity about our diagnosis. So a lot of times we will feel like our identity is lower than or less than or not as good as because we are not conceiving. One time I saw a friend's post and she was like, oh, I'm so thankful for the Lord. He blessed us with this baby. We had been praying for a couple of months and we conceived and he is just so good. He blessed us. And I immediately thought when I saw this post, this was back when we were trying to conceive. I think we were like five years into our journey. So (laughs) of course I was like a little bitter. I'm like, but after my flesh cried out, the next thought I had is, wow, my identity is that God doesn't bless me and he doesn't love me and he doesn't see me as worthy of giving this blessing to and he's not good to me. And so it was almost like my identity took a hit and without even thinking, unconsciously, I totally wrote into my identity this failure story because I saw someone else use words attached to this result that I wanted that I was not getting. Have you ever done that? And so it was just like this super powerful, it was just this super powerful moment where God showed me that I was starting to think of my identity as his child as almost like these tears, right? It was like tier one was like all those who were just having children naturally and God was just blessing them and their favor was on them. And that is just not the tier that I'm in. And then you had tier two, they waited a little bit, but they actually got it done. Tier three is maybe they had to go through a couple more steps, but they actually had the baby. And then tier four is like me, who's just not getting any positive feedback, (laughs) no positive result. And so it was almost like I was categorizing God's love for people based off of conceiving, which sounds so wild, but it's actually what I was doing. I was looking at other people praising God and I was just like, okay, so if he's this God and that's a blessing, like why am I being withheld from it? So we have to go back to that trauma, go back to those identity markers that we had in our previous journey. And we have to rewrite that narrative that that is not who we are, that we are not worthless. We are not a failure. We can see the benefit of what happens. We are not our diagnosis. We're not our waiting season. And our identity and our favor and blessing as children of God is not conditioned or reflected in our circumstances of trying to conceive. So that's step number one is going back through, giving meaning to that season of trauma, going back through and identifying any lies that we let root down into our identity as children of God and starting to capture those thoughts and rewire them, doing this heart work so that we can start healing those wounds. And then step number two kind of feeds off of that, which is to write out a list of blessings that came through the valley before. Looking back, why was it the best that it happened the way that it did? How can you praise God for that season and the wait? What about that journey did God use to teach you, refine you, transform you? Write out, go deep. I think part of healing those wounds is really like honestly just going back to a season that held so much pain because we try to just like block it out and move on. When we can thank God for a season, it no longer holds the power over us. Which leads into step number three, taking every thought captive around the identity that we have around God and really transforming that and stop holding on to our pain almost like they're little pets. It's like you have this wound and we're just like, if I don't heal it, I don't have to deal with it. It's out of sight, out of mind. Like, sure, it hurts a little bit, but it's kind of got to that point where like the root of it is not fixed, but it's like kind of got a bandaid. So it's fine. It's not super, super detrimental to my health. 
So we just kind of move on and we try to ignore it. But that's honestly the worst thing that we can do for our spiritual health. If we truly want to heal and we want to step into this new season of trying to conceive, almost like with a fresh slate, we have to go back and change our identity around God. Because if there's any little footholds of you believing that God is not kind, that he is not good, that he is not faithful, or maybe you're just completely struggling to trust him with any part of your life, or especially this part of your life, your conceiving journey, our faith is not capable of weathering another storm. And the reality is there could be another storm on the horizon. Unfortunately, especially with things like fertility, it may not be just a quick fix. It may not just be like an accidental pregnancy, which is kind of, I had that expectation of just like, oh, well, next time it's not going to be hard. I think it's easy to convince ourselves of that. Like, okay, we went through our hard season, like checkbox, we've done the hard, now God's going to give us easy. And that's just not the case. Some people go through storm after storm after storm. So we have to look at the foundation of our faith. And that is what we believe about God. Going back to you hope what you hope because of what you think of God. What do you think of God right now? After those years of infertility, after trying so hard to conceive baby number one, where does that stand? How would you answer that question? I think if I'm truly honest, I look back and I'm like, gosh, I think I still struggle to believe that you are kind, God. I think I still struggle to believe that you alone can do this without any other help. Like there's absolutely a lack of faith in what you're capable of doing because I just haven't experienced that same, I guess, miracle, if that makes sense. Obviously, Highland is a miracle, but the Lord produced that miracle through IVF. And so there's still an element, almost like a little block in my faith that's like, can God do this? Just, just God. And I think I question that because of our history and it's just facts. I'm staring at the facts and I'm just like, gosh, it's so hard to kind of override the facts with the truth of who God is when that is so intangible and the facts are so tangible. So that step number three is so pivotal just to the foundation of your faith because whether it's fertility and conceiving and you face another storm in that area of your life or it's something else, it's finances, it's your marriage, whatever, any other storm that comes your way is going to get shaken and rocked if you do not fix any footholds or any identity crisis that you have around who God is. Because the truth is that God is kind. That's biblical. There are verses, I'm looking at 1 Peter 5.10 that says, but God shows undeserved kindness to everyone. Do you believe that he has shown you undeserved kindness? Or are you only looking at the picture of what he has not done for you? And that is clouding out all the things he has done for you, which is the second part of this verse that says that undeserved kindness that he showed you is why he appointed Christ Jesus to choose you to share in his eternal glory. You will suffer for a while, but God will make you complete, steady, strong, and firm. So are you steady? Are you strong? Are you firm? What needs to be fixed in your foundation before another storm comes? And I also think that that's important to ask that question before just jumping into the next step of the journey and being like, oh my gosh, we're ready to try to conceive. We want a certain age gap and blah, blah, blah. Like, hold on, girlfriend. Let's take a step back and let's ask ourselves, where is our faith at? Where is our relationship and our understanding of God's identity at? Because if there are holes there, another storm could completely destroy it. Today, we were at the Butterfly Exhibit here in Phoenix. 
And my daughter, Highland, she's one years old and she's just walking around with us inside and she's never really seen butterflies like this before. And one landed on her back, but it was like kind of on the side of her back, like almost upper shoulder and she could see it in total panic. Came over to me, like started crying, just like panic mode, get this thing off of me. And I'm looking at her like, it's a butterfly. Obviously, like I didn't handle it very well because I was so scared too, because I don't even know why. Like I knew better and I was still scared. But I think that just shows you that that's kind of like our journey with God. God is the parent here. And we tend to panic about things that really have no harm for us. And they're really harmless. They're not going to hurt us. But we can't see the whole picture. We don't have the full understanding or the knowledge that he has. He sees the butterfly and he's like, wow, that's so beautiful. Like this is just a part of the experience and it's just part of your story. That's the waiting season. It's going to teach you things. I'm going to refine her through this journey. But we're looking at the butterfly, aka the waiting season. We're just like fear, panic, like we cannot see forward. We can't even think straight because all we can feel is the fear and the panic of what if scenario. So as we step into this fourth and final piece, we really need to remember that God's lens on how he views things and the way that he goes about answering our prayers is with an eternal perspective. He is looking at everything with eternity in mind and with his main primary focus of just bringing as many of his children back to him as possible. And so if we look at Romans 15, 13, it talks about this Greek word called elpizo. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, but Greek version of this Bible verse talks to staying in a state of consciousness of God's favor. Like that is the prayer that he's praying. So the prayer is, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And the whole point of that prayer is to point them to eternity. Like that is where your hope comes from. So suffering truly makes us blind to God's favor. That's what I believe. Because even when I was watching that friend point to God's favor for being able to conceive, I was looking at my circumstances like, well, okay, where's God's favor in my life? Like if he's the same God for you and he's the same God for me, shouldn't we both have the same result here? And that's not God's favor. God's obviously like that blessings, but God's favor is on all of us and it's active and we can truly live in a conscious state of understanding and experiencing God's favor through any season including our waiting season. I look back on my seven years of waiting and I absolutely did not live in a state of consciousness of God's favor. Absolutely not. I didn't really think I had favor. I was like, clearly I missed that boat. Like, you know how kids pick teams at recess and you're like the last one picked? That's how I felt about God's favor. I was like, I guess I'm the last one picked and there's no favor left. But it was because I had this misunderstanding of God's favor and what that meant and what that is and his favor is the blessing of Jesus Christ going back to 1 Peter 5:10 where it says, you know, he appointed Christ Jesus to choose you to share in his eternal glory. And then if we dig into this is one of my favorite verses, Romans 5:8, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. That is God's favor. So when we look at this verse of may the God of hope fill you with all joy peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Do you feel like that is where you stand today? Whether you have already had all your children, you've only conceived one, you've only conceived two, you've conceived none. Can you confidently say with full assurance that you have been filled with hope? You live with joy and peace in your believing 
you have the tangible presence of the power of the Holy Spirit that is giving you this abounding, conscious living in God's favor. I don't know that I could confidently say yes to that. That's what I want to change going into trying to conceive for baby number two. So how do we heal? How do we change? How do we transform as we step into this open heart surgery, if you will, of trying to conceive for baby number two? We have to give beneficial meaning to our trauma that we've had before, praying through that. We need to write out a list of blessings that came from that valley and thank the Lord for the timing that he had in that first baby's life. Take every thought captive around the identity that we have around God and transform our thoughts by the renewing of his word. So if you don't believe he's kind, if you are struggling to know his goodness, if you don't think he's faithful, and you honestly don't feel like you are a representative of living in hope on a daily basis, then you need to go back to transforming your mind through scripture. And so I'm going to put some verses down below in the show notes that you can draw on for affirmations of who God is and his identity, because that is what's going to lead you through peace during this next open door, trying to conceive baby number two. And the fourth and final piece that we talked about was looking to eternity and experiencing God of all hope. So if we are not currently living in a conscious state of God's favor, we are allowing our suffering to blind us to who he is and what he has offered us through Jesus Christ. And that can change. So we need to take that active step of obedience and praying through surrender of these wounds that we are carrying, that we can leave them behind and stop going back almost like a petting zoo to our pain and being like, oh yeah, that's how I felt back then. Like, poor me. It's like, okay, I feel like that's a little bit of a victim mindset. Like I can have that sometimes when I look at trying to conceive for baby number two is adopting this like victim mindset. And it's like, that is not my identity as a Christian. I am a child of God. I am more than a conqueror. Everything that God has, has been given to me. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in me. I have been filled with all joy and peace in believing I truly can live in his favor today. I'm not a victim. I am an heir. I am worth more than precious rubies. I am not a victim to those circumstances that I have been through in the past, but it starts here. It starts by transforming and going back to that one more time to start healing and cleaning and digging into those wounds that still exist so that God can do his powerful redeeming work and he is the ultimate healer. He's just going to touch those wounds. He's going to heal us. It might hurt for a little bit because sometimes when you're cleaning a wound, it stings. It's painful, but it's all for the deeper healing, true healing. So we have to ask the Lord to help us heal from this trauma as we step into trying to conceive for baby number one, because if we don't, our foundation is not strong enough to weather another storm. And unfortunately, in this world, you will have trouble. Like God's word tells us that we have to expect and know that we are not going to, none of us are going to get through this life being unscathed. All of us are going to experience suffering of some kind. 1 Peter 5.10, you will suffer for a while. But you know what? We also have Romans 15.13 that says the God of all hope. Our hope is built on eternity and nothing else. So let's take that chance of opening up our hearts to what God has for us and start doing this inner heart work 
so we can heal from the trauma and release the baggage that we've been carrying around or ignoring but still carrying the burden of so that we can truly live free lives and become alive to his love and his kindness and his goodness because it's there, it's waiting for us to experience in this next season of our journey of trying to conceive. And it's there for any of us. So I hope that this encouraged you. And if it does, take a second and just write us a review. I would absolutely love that. Take a screenshot of this episode, throw it up in your Instagram stories and tag me. But at the end of the day, if there's any way that I can be praying for you, shoot me an email. Everything is down below in the show notes. And I'm just praying for you, friends. Lord, I just pray over the sister who's listening today. This is a longer episode, but God, I truly believe that you want to heal, redeem, and restore the wounds of the past that we've experienced for those who have tried to conceive for long periods of time before baby number one. And now we're stepping into this open door of baby number two. And God, I just believe that you have more for us than to carry around the weight and the baggage and the burdens of our waiting seasons that we've been through in the past. So God, I pray that we would just lay it down at your feet surrender, open up our palms and stop holding on so tight to that pain and the victim mindset the enemy likes to trap us in. God, we are not victims. So we release that. We reject that in our identity. We reject the lack of hope and the lies around your identity. God, you are kind. You are good. We live in your favor today. Lord, I just pray that you would bind the suffering and the wounds from the suffering out of our lives that we may experience consciousness of your incredible favor, the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcast at that link below, and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.